never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report. From global warming to murder hornets to the AI singularity to Canada burning down around us, this podcast wonders how much longer we're going to be able to talk about the things that we like. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter. Here. What's up, man? <laughs> Luckily. <laughs> Not know, much. What's up with you? <laughs> well, so first off, I'd like to apologize if my voice sounds weird at all. Um, the Canada smoke from the wildfires has been like hellish in the area that I live in. And we are in, I don't know about, cause you and I live in two different counties, Peter. So where I am, we are under the, or the past two days, we were under the very hazardous, like, um, very, no, sorry, very unhealthy category, which we were like, yep. we were like one category to the worst. <laughs> um, and it, you could tell, like you could smell it, you could feel it, um, and I, uh, it's totally messed with my sinuses, I think, so if you hear my voice sounds weird, it's literally a sinus thing, thank you, Canada. Um, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've had a, I've had a bit of a, uh, sore throat since last week, I don't know if it's related to the, uh, the smoke or not but yeah it is weird because we're in the chicagoland area and uh earlier this week um i could just go outside my house and i could literally see like if you look down the street it looked like a foggy day but obviously it's not we're just being bombarded by this hellish amount of smoke um which is really fun and uh one of my friends actually shared online i saw that uh they're even getting some of the brunt of this in Europe. Like uh, the smoke's actually made its way across the Atlantic and was hitting the UK a little bit. And I was just like, this is just insane. This is uh, this is just a lovely uh, time to live in, I guess. <laughs> so one of my favorite comedians of all time is George Carlin. Yeah. And uh, he passed away years ago. But in his last stand-up, he has a bit called Coast to Coast Emergency. It's really kind of funny. But he starts with, what if a wildfire that starts in California, and then he kind of like goes through all the natural disaster stuff caused by this wildfire, how it spreads across the country little bit by little bit, and what happens because of this, and what happens because of this. And it's just really this funny little bit. But in the midst of all of it, and he goes, and in the meantime, Canada burns down and nobody notices. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's so funny that he said it that way, because here we are, Canada's burning down. Um, so, yeah, um, <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. No, George Carlin was a national treasure, um, just one of the greatest comedians of all time. So that's just a that's a hilarious bit. But, yeah, awesome stuff. <laughs> um, but, yeah, let's not waste any time. Um, <laughs> For real. What? Yeah, right. 
What uh? Well, how was your week, man? What did you watch? Anything like? Yeah, I have a couple things. Um, I actually kind of forgot about it until you mentioned George Carlin, obvious, oddly enough. But I actually did watch something that they talked about George Carlin in a little bit, and that's uh the documentary Clerk about Kevin Smith. Um, oh. Drew, have you have you watched this at all? No, I didn't realize it dropped yet. So apparently it released in like 2018 or something, but I had never seen it, but yeah. it's on Tubi right now. For some reason, <laughs> so, I thought it was still in the works, but okay, go ahead. Yeah, so it's it's on Tubi right now, and uh, you know me, I'm always plugging Tubi. I think, <laughs> I think it's a great, yeah. um, it's, it's probably the best free uh, streaming platform out there, not that it has a ton of... Uh, competition but i saw that it was on tubi and i was like all right i'll check this out but uh they actually do talk about how kevin hired george carlin for a number of roles and how much he looked up to george carlin and stuff so that was kind of a cool thing that's like topical to what we were just talking about but it's a pretty fun little documentary um my thing with it is i've i know kevin smith's career pretty well and I've listened to a ton of his podcasts and stuff. So 99% of what they go over in the documentary was stuff that I already know. Like, it's a lot about his life story and they go through all the movies um, he made and how they affected, whether it be like how they affected pop culture or how they affected like Kevin Smith's per- personal life and stuff. But uh, my favorite part of the movie actually was just that they showed a lot of just behind the scenes stuff and how Kevin Smith is kind of uh, kind of legendary in the way that he created a crew of individuals to work on his movies that are really all just his best friends. Like he basically wanted to build like a friend group or a family around himself that was going to work on all of his movies. And that's just something he's done for years. And it's just, you watch it and it's just like, that's the dream, you know, to just make cool stuff with your friends. Like that's what we're all, what we're all trying to do. And uh, that was probably my favorite aspect of the whole thing. So uh, yeah, check that one out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and that's another thing. Like I know so much about Kevin Smith too, and I follow career yeah. closely enough that, if you knew that much about what was covered, so will I. Yep. You know? Yeah. You'll, you'll you'll know a lot of it, but it's also like if you want something a little more like lighthearted to just put on in the background, it's great for that too. You know, because you're already going to be familiar with the subject matter, but it is like it it is a pretty cool thing to watch if you're in the sort of like Kevin Smith sort of mood, I guess. Um, but yeah, there's a couple other things that I wanted to mention. Um, oh, so I've been watching My Hero Academia. I've, I'm kind of, I just finished season four. Um, I have two seasons left, so this is probably not the last time I'm going to be bringing up (laughs) this anime. But, uh, the one thing I wanted to say about season four is that I basically have watched past how far I've read in the manga. And the reason I fell off from reading the manga was, you get to a point in um, the manga where you have basically what happens in the anime at the beginning of season four. They call it the hideout raid arc. And you basically have a lot of the top superheroes in this world. And a lot of the students from the school are interning under them. And they are raiding a villain's hideout to steal or to save this girl that was basically kidnapped. And there's a lot more at play, like 
the reason this girl was kidnapped uh, plays into like what her superpower is. And it's actually a really interesting story. But you have this hideout raid arc that is so epic. It's so much fun to read. It's so in- it's so intense, tense, and you have so many good like fight scenes. And after that, the very next arc they focus on is the school festival arc, <laughs> where you go from this really epic thing to going to this arc where you watch the class preparing for a presentation they're going to put on at the school's big festival coming up. And it is such a there's such a disparity in epicness between these two arcs. And when I was trying to read this in the manga and I'm like, okay, I just went through like one of the most epic comic stories ever. And now I'm reading about the kids putting on a concert at this school festival. And it was just such, it was such a slog to try to read through. With that being said, watching it in anime form was a lot better because the slow parts to me, and I don't know if this was like clever editing or how it went through, but the slow parts of that school festival arc, they kind of went through within like three episodes. And then you start focusing on some more epic, cool stuff. Like the whole time there's the uh, school festival going on, there's a super villain who's actually going to try to steal, sneak into there. And then you have uh, Deku, the main character, has like a pretty sweet showdown with that uh, character. And basically what I'm saying is... If you're at that point in the manga where you get to the school festival part and it sucks and it's boring, switch over to the anime, at least for that story, and watch through that part because it's going to be a lot better. But uh, with that being said, I'm loving season five. Um, The stuff they're doing with Endeavor and um, especially this new character, Hawks, that I've just been introduced. There's some really interesting stuff going on there, so I'm loving that. Um Otherwise, uh, the only other thing, because I feel like I'm going on and on a little bit, but the only other thing I started watching was uh, The Idol on HBO, um, or HBO Max, however you want to phrase it. <laughs> or I guess just, just Max. It's just Max yeah. now. <laughs> no, it's it's home box office maximum for me. But uh, no, The Idol is... Um, have you had a chance to watch this, Drew? No, I actually don't know what this is. Oh, interesting. Okay. I, I've been, I've had blinders on for the past like week and a half and I'll explain why, but go ahead. (laughs) So I think Idol might be a few weeks old now, but it's essentially it's in line with shows like, I guess Euphoria is the closest thing I could compare to it as far as the explicitness and the heavy subject matter and dealing with drugs and sexuality and all that. But it essentially is about a uh, famous pop star. So it's about like kind of behind the scenes of this famous pop star and uh, kind of a lot of the behind the scenes debauchery that you might not know about. But uh, the thing that I love about this show is that it's not just about the pop star. Like the most interesting part I found about it was it kind of has a lot to do with the team of individuals that surround this character and how she might think she's making certain decisions, but there's actually a bigger team of people who are either manipulating her or forcing her to go into the direction they want her to. And uh, also just like everybody wants to be rich and famous, but it seems to comment on that whole like 
you might be rich and famous, but that doesn't mean you have any sort of freedom. You know, you're kind of stuck and you have to uh, fulfill things that are related to your record contract and all that. So it, it is really interesting in that regard. Um, with what I've just been said, uh, I've only seen one episode of the show. And uh, besides those bits that I thought was interesting, the weirdest part of the show is The Weeknd. The singer of The Weeknd um, plays a big character in the series, and he plays the most, the creepiest scumbag guy I've ever seen. And part of the reason I want to watch this show further is I just want to see how creepy The Weeknd actually gets in the show. <laughs> and uh, from what <laughs> from what I've seen on Twitter everybody else is thinking the same thing. Like this show is fascinating just because of how creepy the weekend is, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. But um, he also has a uh, pretty epic rat tail in the show. And that's really weird too. But uh, that's probably my watching for this week. So, all right. Well, like I said, um, I had kind of blinders on this week. Um, I had a really busy week since we recorded I had a very busy weekend, but during that weekend, um, I played out the final session to uh, the D&D campaign with my adult group on Sunday. Nice. Uh, well, and as I've referred to it for them, is it's more like the end of a story arc, question mark, um, because I have this plan in mind. So it's kind of like we ended what I'm referring to as season one. So it took us like over a year to play what this story that I created that in my mind is like the end of season one. So now we're in between stuff, but we're going to be getting together to discuss possibly new characters and all that stuff. And I know I have players that are listening. So to not spoil anything, yes, season one. And as you know how a TV show goes, it might have callbacks and stuff like that. So. I have all this stuff in my mind written down and plotted out and everything. So, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, I, I can't wait to get back to the table because it was, it was this really bittersweet moment of being able to actually finish and close it out. And if we, if we stopped playing forever, we had this amazing like adventure. We are definitely not stopping because I have plans and everyone wants to keep going, which is phenomenal. So we're going to keep cruising along. But these plans are bigger than they realize, so we'll see. And so I hope uh, when it, so those of you who are listening, um, I hope you're excited as, just as excited as I am. Um, nice. So it was it was a really awesome like uh, session, and it was a really awesome like campaign. And yeah, I'm really happy with how it turned out and everything. That said, so I ended up closing that out. But because of that, it's been very bittersweet, and it's been like, oh, okay, well now what do I do? Like. <laughs> But I'm also, like, trying to plot this next thing. So I was kind of, like, real D&D focused, to be completely honest. Then um, I did watch the first episode of Secret Invasion. Um, because that is I dropped, have not watched this because yet. Because that's dropped on Disney+. Plus. Um, the first episode is great. Um, I really like what they're doing. They're definitely going in a really great direction. This um, It's basically where the comic is more of a standard Avengers epic thing. This is more of a, the television show is more of a, how do I want to word this? A um, spy thriller, like an espionage spy thriller. And, yeah. <coughs> excuse me. 
I don't want to cough on Mike, but I don't have a choice. Um, <laughs> so it's more of like that espionage spy thriller. And there's a moment at the end of the first episode where if you know Secret Invasion, if you're a comic book reader at all and you actually know what you're walking into a little bit like I do, um, you're not 100 percent sure if you saw what you saw. And that comes to my own my only criticism of Secret Invasion, not necessarily of the show, because we haven't gotten to this yet, but of that event in Marvel Comics where the event was became very confusing, in my opinion. Who's a scroll? Who's not a scroll? Is this really Wolverine? No, it's not Wolverine. It's a scroll, or you know what I mean? Like it's that kind of stuff. And yeah, I, it's it. I found it confusing to read sometimes, but I think the show is handling it better so far. And I've only seen the one episode. I just think it's handling it better so far. So yeah, I could imagine um, reading that month to month too. Like reading your twenty-two page comic book every month and trying to keep straight, like who's a scroll, who isn't. You know, I I could see that being very. And then hard, you're like, but, uh, hold on, didn't he die? No, it was the scroll that died. Or oh wait, didn't he die? <laughs> yes, he did die. But the scrolls here acting as you know what I mean. Like it, yeah, yeah. Um, nice. So, yeah. I'll, I'll have to check this one out. I was kind of on the set uh, on the fence with this one, unfortunately, just because I know they have a uh, AI intro and I do understand there's reasons that they were doing that, like how you can look into how artificial intelligence, especially with art, is kind of like this alien thing that's trying to mimic what humans do, but it doesn't really do what humans do. And uh I think that that's an interesting choice, but then at the same time, I'm like, I mean, you could also hire an artist and maybe go a different route. Like, it is an interesting choice. Is it the most ethical choice, especially when you're Disney and you have all the money in the world? I'm not really sure. So I was a bit on the fence by that. But besides you, Drew, I've got people I work with who know I'm into like superheroes and stuff who I've got a lot of people who keep asking me about the show enough that I'm like, all right, I guess I have to watch it at this point. But uh, it's really good to hear that uh, you say that it's great so far. Um, it sounds pretty interesting overall. Yeah. Um, and the only thing I don't like about the intro is the Marvel logo seems to be absent. It just seems like a departure. And Oh, wow. Uh, you know, that's where I'm just like, mm, where's the Marvel logo? You know, where's that classic Marvel we know it thing, you know? Yeah. I don't know. That's my thought. Um, but no, this segues really well into news. Um, man, all of a sudden I have to cough. I haven't coughed for hours and I'm getting on the microphone. <laughs> okay. Whatever. I already warned everybody that I'm under the weather due to, we, we, we live in a, we live in smoke world now. So <laughs> we do. It's par we for do. the course. It is. Um, the five nights of Freddy's full trailer or FNAF world, if you will, has, uh, as the kids call it these days. Um, it dropped. Did you get a chance to see that or did you miss out? Because I feel like feel bad that I didn't tell you, hey, watch the trailer. No, I haven't seen it yet. Um, I actually haven't seen a lot of hype for it either. I'm kind of surprised. Okay. But uh... <laughs> the um, the teaser trailer is what it was. And it was like, cool, whatever. This trailer really gives you a full sense of the lore and the story and, you know, what you're going to see. And um, it looks cool. Like more like I'm definitely more excited about it than I was when I saw the teaser. Um, nice. So I'm just going to say, make sure you check out the trailer for Five Nights at Freddy's or FNAF, if that's what you're calling it. Um, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, other than that, uh, that's all I have for my watching category, because like I said, I was 
D&D land in my mind, like all since we last recorded. That's kind of like the main focus since we hung up the microphones. So is, isn't it funny how this is just a comment on the watching and reading section. You could spend like you could spend like hours and hours one week only watching or, you know, spending time watching or reading one thing. So then when you come in, you feel shorthanded. But it's like, but dude, I spent 20 hours, you know, like dedicated to this one franchise. Or you could watch like, you know, five different first episodes of different TV series and feel like you're so, you know, you you brought so much to the table, but you really only watch like five hours worth of content. And I think there's a funny uh, disparity with that. So, I mean, sometimes you just have those weeks where all you're doing is D&D stuff and there's nothing wrong with that at all, you know? Right. No, I know there's nothing wrong with it. I just feel like I'm coming to the coming to the podcast a little like unprepared. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But, but we are in a writer's strike, so we'll see. <laughs> um, all right. Again, excuse me. Okay. Let's jump into the news. All right. So first off, we're going to talk about this. Um, I didn't talk about this news story last week because I didn't know if it really mattered. Until I saw another news story that made me go, I don't know if that news story was true or not. And we live in a world of internet rumors, and we live in a world where James Gunn says, if it doesn't come from me, it's not true, which means you should always pay attention to the horse's mouth. Um, so, a couple days before we recorded the podcast, they announced, Sony announced, that they removed the Spider-Man, um, their, okay, so Sony's doing their Spider-Verse movies, right? Yeah. One of them was El Muerto. That was one of them. El Muerto. Uh, Bad Bunny was starring in it. According um, according to sources, they've removed, Sony has removed it completely from the release schedule and canceled the movie. Okay. Okay. Three days after they announced that, Sony announces Spider-Man spinoff El Muerto is circling WWE's Sasha Banks for a role. All right. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Three days after yeah. they say they're done and their movie's not coming out, they tell us that they're looking for an actress for the movie. <clears throat> the reason I bring this up is because it's the make sure if you're looking at Internet news that you know what you're looking at <laughs> um, and what sources it's coming from, because both of these came from the same source. Wow. Right, exactly. And I thought it was weird. Three <laughs> days ago, you said they were canceling the movie, and now they're saying this. So um, I don't know what to think, and it's kind of like out in the middle of nowhere for me, in my opinion. So I just thought I'd let you know, hey, that's a thing. In the realm of the Spider-Verse movie, Venom 3, starring Tom Hardy, reportedly sets to start filming very soon in Spain. Um, in the midst of the writer's strike and everything... This one fell off my radar because I thought it was still in the process of script. I didn't know they were this far into pre-production. Yeah. So they're about to start filming Venom 3. Um, so that's awesome. Um, that's I quick... do appreciate... Yeah, I do appreciate how the Venom movies just seem to come out. Like, it's not like other movies that I'm sure we're going to talk about very soon where people are following every little production update and it's like this huge uproar. I love how the Venom movies just kind of sit in the background, get made, come out, and then we enjoy them. But it's not this, like, ridiculous hype free-for-all the whole time they're in production, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, here's a movie that's in production um, that's inter- interesting here. Spawn movie. We haven't talked about this in a while, haven't we? Yes. All right. Spawn movie in very, very active development predicted for a 2025 release date, according to Blumhouse head Jason Blum. Um, this is my thoughts on this. We have been talking about this Spawn movie for so long. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> when, yeah. I, when that trailer finally drops, then I'll believe it. But right now, we're like they need to put it. Put, they need to put an image on the internet of Spawn in the suit, or they need to do like Sam and Twitch and put them on the internet or something. Yeah. So I can believe it because right now it's like we're never getting that Spawn movie. That's my opinion. So. It's, yeah, I won't even go as far as the trailer. As soon as they announce they're actually filming it, that's when I'll get excited. But, I mean, this is a movie that was on my movies I was excited for coming out in 2019. Like, because <laughs> that was at the time, like, sure. I remember 2017, 2018, somewhere around there, Todd McFarlane was all gung-ho, like, we're doing it, we're going to start filming, this movie's going to come out in the next two years, and uh, then it kind of went quiet, and uh, if nothing else, I'm excited for another update. When this movie comes out, it has the potential to be one of my favorite movies of all time, so that's awesome, but like I said, it's going on like five years that I've been following the film. And I know that Todd McFarlane has been supposedly talking up a new spawn film for about 20 years now. (laughs) So everybody like there's people have been way more patient about this than me, but uh, it is really exciting to see that uh, there's another update for this, if nothing else. So, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's in very, very active development is what they say. Um, all right, other movies that are coming out um, on the Marvel front. Deadpool 3 will reportedly feature multiple Deadpool and Wolverine variants. Okay, so we live in a world of multiverses, and everyone will have a multiverse. Everybody. Period. Everybody. And I don't want to say, and look, DC's got their thing. I feel like, honestly, I feel like they did it first back in the 80s. Now Marvel's doing theirs. Great. So you leave it in the comic book world, it's fine, right? But then we're going to deal with everyone, I feel, is going to, like, oversaturate the world with multiverses. I really feel it's about to happen. That (laughs) That said, we've had the Flash film with multiple Batmans, multiple Supermans, multiple Flashes. We have the Spider-Verse films, which multiple Spider-Mans, right? Um, And we're about to go into a phase of the Marvel universe where we already have multiple Kangs and multiple Lokis and stuff. We're already there. Deadpool is going to make fun of this so much. Absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be probably one of the most satisfying (laughs) multiverse Deadpool doing his thing and like totally poking at the genre of the multiverse stuff that is not going to be funny. It's going to be funny when you watch the movie and then you're going to watch the other movies and go, "Mm, okay, (laughs) Deadpool did it better. Well, it's the timing of it is going to be so good because, like you said, like Marvel and DC, like we're so far into just like we're just swimming in multiverse stuff from both of those uh, both of those uh, movie studios right now. And Deadpool is going to come out at the perfect time where people are kind of just kind of sick of multiverse stuff, I think. And I think the jokes are going to land so well 
if it's yeah. just Deadpool making fun of the concept of a multiverse uh, at the time. And hopefully it'll be at a point where, you know, I feel like phase four and phase five of the MCU obviously are dealing a lot with the multiverse, but maybe they're going to clean up their timeline towards the end of phase five. And uh, we have the new James Gunn DC universe coming, and he's probably going to clean some of those edges up as well. And, uh, Maybe Deadpool is going to happen at the perfect time where everything is going to kind of, you know, come back to like individual universes for the most part, even though they'll still have the potential for multiverses if they want. Um, that's kind of my uh, prediction that I'm probably totally wrong about <laughs> in this case. So well, it could be a whole thing with the Marvel Universe and totally like flip everything on its head. But Deadpool kind of exists outside of continuity in a weird way. So it might not matter. Um and I say Deadpool is yeah. continuity because if you're just if you only watch the films, you don't know how weird the Deadpool comics can actually get. So for them to do something like this and have multiple Deadpools, multiple Wolverines, multiple all kinds of stuff, it could get weird and funny and bizarre and strange and have no real impacting effect on the overall MCU. Yeah. You know, and and. Just to clarify, I wasn't saying, like, I think the Deadpool is going to clean up any multiversal stuff in the MCU itself. I just think it might come out at a perfect time where the MCU might be cleaning up kind of the multiverse mess they're in right now. It might come out at a per sure. perfect time where that stuff is wrapping itself up and then... Deadpool can come in and make fun of the whole concept. And then as superhero fans, we can move on to the next big trend, if you will. So, yeah, 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 sure. That makes sense. Um, well, the Flash isn't doing that great. Um, I don't right. know if people like lack of interest or what or people's busy schedules, but people aren't going to see this movie, which Ultimately, that's okay, but it's not because the movie's suffering massive box office loss. Right now, it looks like a box office flop. But the question is, do people just not like DC? Do people not like The Flash? Is it the whole Ezra Miller stuff that happened behind the scenes? Is it what's the problem? Because the movie is, in my opinion, really good. Okay. And the movie was getting yeah. pretty good reviews um, leading up to its release. So the fact that people aren't turning out, I think is it's detrimented to something else, if you will. Um, right. <clears throat> that being said, there was based on the success of the flash, the Batman beyond movie would have been made. Um, and uh, basically the, the article is basically, could we have lost another great movie because DC comics fans didn't show up at the box office with a flop of Black Adam, we didn't get Man of Steel 2. The box office money didn't peak for Warner Brothers' interest. With the flash low numbers, the box office, they're thinking of not proceeding with a Batman Beyond movie. <sighs> Apparently, there was a Batman Beyond movie in full, like, here-we-go mode with Michael Keaton playing old Bruce Wayne if The Flash succeeded. Yeah. And I don't know how that fits into James Gunn's thing, because that's not something James Gunn talked about. So was that movie actually going to happen post the flash if once James Gunn took over. Um, I really would have loved to see a Batman Beyond movie, but I really don't know what to say about it to be completely honest. So Yeah, it's it's kind yeah. of just a bummer. Um I think it kind of does show that 
if you like superheroes and you like superhero cinema, and even if you're not happy with the state of superhero cinema right now, like you still kind of have to support it if you want to see it continue to be made. And uh, The Flash, I think it's a very interesting circumstance that The Flash is in because you went through a whole list of like, what's the reason people aren't going to see The Flash? And I think it's actually a combination of all of those reasons. But the weird part about it is that the movie's actually really good. And there's lots of times where a movie won't do good at the box office for a bunch of different reasons, like the timing's not right, or maybe one of the actors isn't likable, or like all these reasons. But a lot of times the ones that don't do well and don't have good word of mouth and stuff will be like not a good movie. But The Flash is legitimate, like a decent enough movie you know it's it's a really weird situation but uh man that just it just sucks to hear about the batman beyond situation i don't i'm kind of at a loss for words with it a little bit you know yeah i hear you um yeah um it yeah whatever anyway we're not getting (laughs) it we're probably not getting it so moving on the thing Uh, the thing and i don't know if we've talked about this but i keep seeing people comment about how the Flash is going to hit HBO Max, and then we're going to have a wave of people saying, oh, The Flash is actually pretty good. Oh, yeah, it's way better than I thought. And it's going to be like, it's going to be really interesting to see that wave of like positive uh, reviews of the movie by average viewers once it, once it hits HBO Max. I so I know. And that's not where you want people to be turning up for the movie. Yep. You need them to turn up. Like, because that's the thing when they track the box office dollars. And when they tracked the viewership of the Snyder Cut when it released on HBO Max, um, compared to what it would have made if that's what they released in the theater, you know, it's like, seriously, guys, <laughs> you know? Yeah. What are you thinking? Anyway, a movie we are getting is going to be Swamp Thing. Um, and I keep forgetting about that, actually. <laughs> right? And James Mangold had a couple things to say. He said, well, I'm sure DC views Swamp Thing as a franchise. I would be viewing it as a very simple, clean, gothic horror movie about this man slash monster. Just doing my own thing with this, just to stand alone. Um, I really like the fact that James Mangold said that, because it's probably going to be a rated R movie. Um, but James Mangold, you know, I loved what he did. I haven't Obviously, I haven't seen Indiana Jones yet, but I loved what he did with <laughs> Logan. And to know he's going to be tackling... Swamp Thing makes me kind of excited. And if he's going to go for that gothic horror sense, that could be really yeah. amazing. And I don't know if I thought of it being anything else but a gothic horror film. So, yeah, I would agree with that. And I don't know if um, like Wes Craven did the original Swamp Thing movie. And I don't know that that was that far from being a gothic horror. You know, I think of gothic horror and I think a lot of um like the classic universal monsters like Dracula and Frankenstein. But you have to remember like the creature from the Black Lagoon does factor into that as well. And I feel like it's really cool to hear they're going with a more straightforward horror um, approach to Swamp Thing because I think it's absolutely appropriate for the character. And uh, I don't know, that's just one of my favorite parts of superhero media is just that like, yeah, you have the capes, you have suited crime fighters, but you can get anything from, like, 
you know, your your gothic horror movie to like a serious crime movie to like an off the wall comedy. And I love the uh, variety built into the genre, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I just I really liked the original Swamp Thing movies, both of them. Um, yeah. But let's dial this up to 11 and bring it into like our filming tech now um, with uh, proper writers and all that stuff. Like it could be really it could be really good. So yeah. I look forward to Swamp Thing. Um, let's talk about <clears throat> James Gunn finally um, released some stuff. There's some news that broke this week that James Gunn had to break, uh, stop, and head over to Twitter and say, this is accurate. Um, the casting <laughs> of Superman and Lois Lane for Superman Legacy has dropped. Have you seen this? Yes, of course. Okay. I mean, <laughs> how could you miss this one? <laughs> hey, I know. It was it, in my... so. <laughs> It's weird when you say it broke the internet, it all comes down to what are you following? But I couldn't turn on anything without seeing the casting for Superman and Lois. Um, so Superman is going to be played by David Cornswit, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, I don't really know him as an actor. And I looked him up on IMDb yeah. and I've seen several shows that he's in. But all the shows that he's in that I've seen, he's only listed as one episode. So, oh, wow. That's not enough for me to go, oh, I know that guy. But I'm also okay with having a pseudo no-name play the role. Yeah, absolutely. And I and the one and the biggest reason I say that is because I want to harken back to Star Wars, the originals, when those were no-name actors and then became household names. Um but as a as a actor, he looks good. Like I look at him and I go, I see that, you know? So yeah. it works in my mind. So I trust James Gunn because he was looking for something specific. He handled the casting. Here we go. You know, so um, I'm down. Do you have any thoughts on the Superman casting? I'm kind of with you where I don't I don't know if I've ever watched anything with him in it. I probably have, but I just I don't recognize him. I don't know him as an actor. Um, I do. I do feel like he looks the part like you were saying, like. He has the facial features. He looks like Superman. Um, so I, I have no doubt that once he's able to, you know, he's going to bulk up a little bit. He's going to fit into that suit and he's going to look perfect for the character. So I'm totally on board. Um, one of the cool things that I saw that's going around a lot is he actually said at one point that uh, Superman is like a dream role for him, that he really wants to play oh. Superman. And uh, his quote had something to do with, like, he loves he likes Henry Cavill's take on the character. He likes the like more gritty stuff that Zack Snyder was doing, but he actually wanted to do a more um, uplifting, um, like uh, what's the word optimistic view or, you know, version of Superman. And uh, as much as I, I love the Snyder verse more than most people, I think, but I also do feel like it could be a nice change of pace to have like a really just, positive upbeat superman uh in the movies and so i kind of am on board with that whole vibe and what he was saying there so i'm i'm pretty optimistic about this one so far you know right and uh yeah so i'm with you we'll see how it pans out um but lois lane got cast and yep. this was a surprise to me um star um actress rachel brosnahan from the marvelous miss Maisel uh got cast as Lois Lane. Now, this is only a surprise to me because 
when I watch Marvelous Miss Maisel, it's not that I can't see her as low as Lane. Actually, I totally can see her as low as Lane. But yeah. I wasn't expecting this because after watching Marvelous Miss Maisel, I was waiting to see what next indie film or what next comedy or what next, like, art house type of thing she was going to do, not a comic book superhero movie. Um, but I think she's a phenomenal actress. She definitely looks the part. Um, and I'm very anxious to see what she does with it. I also think if they're pulling an actor of her caliber to play Lois Lane, Lois Lane might play a little more heavily into this Superman than like Amy Adams did or Kate Bosworth. Um, so it might go back to the more of that Margot Kidder um, stage from like the like Christopher Reeve Superman, where she was mu- very heavily involved in the uh, story. So, yeah, I think. I'm not super familiar with uh, with her as well. Like, I know you've talked about Marvelous Miss Maisel a lot. And uh, from everything I've heard about that show, I feel like she can. Like, I feel like from what I've heard, she's obviously a really good actress. And she's going to be able to pull off um, Lois Lane, especially thinking of that show. And you think of, like, Margot Kidder is a really good example. Because Margot Kidder is somebody who really brought the uh, sass and the strength and the humor to Lois Lane. And I feel like from what I hear, again, like I haven't watched a lot of Rachel Brosnahan stuff, but from what I hear, it seems that uh, it seems she's going to be able to pull off that same level of that, like classic Lois Lane attitude um, and individuality that you'd really want from that character. But she obviously looks really good for the role too. So I have, I have absolutely no, complaints really about any of this news right right um okay um that kind of brings us to the end of the news man (laughs) that's awesome i honestly felt like we were going to talk about the casting news a little bit more but that's just because it's all i've seen for has it been only like two days since this was announced? It feels like it's been a full week of just people <laughs> debating about this online, you know, <laughs> it's only been a couple days since this yeah. dropped, and you know, like does not, unfortunately, like all we have is the guy. He looks good. Let's see what he's got, you know, like, and having Rachel Brosnahan in the role, I'm just excited to see her do it more than anything. I think she's, a, she's probably in my opinion, one of the best actresses out there right now. Um, so I think that's really cool that she's joining this. Um, and, uh, I'm excited for it. Like I probably right now I'm looking forward to her performance more than anything else in the movie. So, but that's right now. So, uh, we still don't have a Lex Luthor yet. Um, and you'll see like where Jimmy Olsen fits in the play or like some of the other players, but you know, we'll see. (coughs) All right, man. You ready to talk about tonight's list? Yeah, let's go for it. Cool. All right. Um, Let's roll the thing, and Peter and I will be right back. And now for the top five. All right, Peter, this was your pick. So, what are we doing tonight? Yeah, so... um, What are we discussing? Yeah, (laughs) This is uh, maybe kind of a weird pick, but we had a list once about our top five, or we've had a couple cosplay lists throughout the history of our podcast, but we had one that was about our top five dream cosplays, about if you had an unlimited budget, an unlimited amount of time to work on it, what are the five 
characters that you would like to portray as a cosplay and go to a con and stuff like that. And uh, I thought it was a really fun list, but I realized there's like an aspect of cosplays that we didn't talk about. And uh, I was actually thinking about, I went with some friends to, I want to say it was Chicago Comic Con. I want to say it was 2013, but I might have that year or yeah, that year wrong. But I remember going to this convention with some friends and we went to the costume contest on Saturday night and we watched all the cosplayers and it was a blast. And I remember there was one group of, uh, it was, there was this one group of cosplayers uh, portraying the Brotherhood of Mutants. So, you know, you had your Magneto up there, you had somebody who was Mystique, you had a Sabretooth, you had all the X-Men villains up on stage, and they looked awesome. And I remember me and my friends in the audience, like, cheering them on when they went on stage. And uh, after that was over, we went back to the hotel room, changed or whatever we had to do, and then we went to the uh, hotel bar and kind of hung out with all the, like, nerds and maybe you know, one or two comic book pros who were hanging out at the hotel bar. And I remember running into the guy who was Sabretooth in that group cosplay. And uh, he was still in costume. And me and my friends kind of like shot the shit with him for a while. Like we kind of just hung out with this guy, with the Sabretooth guy and drank a couple beers. <laughs> and he was, he was like really fun to just like shoot the shit with. But my point was, up close, I realized that his costume wasn't that great. <laughs> like, he kind of had this orange morph suit on, and you could see that he hot glued, like, some fun fur to his costume. And it wasn't the most impressive costume, but something about when you're cosplaying in a group, you can have a crappy costume, but as soon as you have, like, multiple other people with you it makes it that much better. <laughs> There's a really funny dynamic to group cosplays that are like that. And uh, I've always wanted to do a group cosplay. Uh, the closest my friend group ever got to it is there was one year where we were all gung-ho about being Scott Pilgrim characters, and that honestly never actually happened. But uh, I always thought it'd be fun to have that like solid group cosplay. And that's why this week I wanted to talk about our top five dream group cosplays so this is you can be a superhero team you can be a warhammer 40k army you could be whatever you want but you just got to keep in mind you have that unlimited budget you have the unlimited amount of time that you need to work on these costumes and these are just kind of like what's your favorite teams or groups from comics and yeah. pop culture that you'd want to portray in cosplay. So that's kind of where my thought process was with this whole thing. So I found this list honestly kind of easy to do. Um, nice. Same here. <laughs> and, and I'm glad you said unlimited because in my head, unlimited budget, because in my head, this has got to be the only way to do a list like that, to do a costume like this is, um, is screen Um, that's oh, one screen biggest, accurate? Nice. Screen accurate. That's one of my biggest things when you're just like, you're prepping for Halloween and it's like, what are we doing for the Halloween party? I'm like, well, if it's not screen accurate, I'm not going. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, like, yeah, that's See, really I, all I got to say about, you know. I'm, I'm the opposite where I love, I love the homemade aesthetic and I embrace it. But even when you have more of an, a homemade aesthetic, there's a... Uh, there's nothing that can make up for just putting in the time and work that you need to make a costume look great. And I've seen 
I've seen people pull off like RoboCop and they made it out of cardboard and and spray paint, but they put in the work to make that RoboCop costume look good. And uh, I think it doesn't matter your budget. It's just if you have that time. But again, we are dealing with unlimited budget. So I definitely understand the concern of like, no, we're going screen accurate. Like, if I can do anything, I want to I wanna make this shit look good. So. Yeah, no, I, yeah, exactly. So, um, I have one honorable mention. Um, I, I wanted I, to have two, but I was really like, I don't know if I can come up with a second that I wouldn't, you know, like, honorable mention one, so. Okay, I, I have two as well. Uh, or I have two, sorry, so I guess I would have to go first. Yeah. Um, my first one is pretty... I can keep pretty short and it's actually pretty easy. Like, I don't think I would need an unlimited budget because most of these costumes are actually pretty easy, but I think it would be a fun group to put together. And that would be a group of your classic slasher horror movie characters, you know, like get somebody's Freddy Krueger, somebody's Jason, you got a leather face. So the, the, the dimension <laughs> monsters, dimension films, I don't. I don't even know if I would go that far. I think I well, would just start because like, you have like classic. the Universal monsters would be like Dracula and Frankenstein and the Wolfman, yeah. Mummy and stuff. But like Freddy Krueger and Jason and all that stuff falls under Dimension Films, right? Yes and no. For some reason, I don't know if like I don't know if like Freddy Krueger might have been. Uh... Oh, now I can't remember the. Uh... The production no, company. On the New, I think Freddy Krueger might be New Line. But it's essentially my thoughts are like the 70s and 80s and on, you know, so y you know what I mean? Like your classic Jason, Freddy, Leatherface, um, all the you know, you can get pretty wild with it, too. Like if you want to bring in uh, Leprechaun, um, I think Ghostface from Scream, you definitely have to have somebody doing that. But I just think it'd be cool to go to a comic or horror convention and have all those roles filled. And like I said, this isn't the most um, exotic um, or like it's not the most exotic group of costumes and it's not the hardest to pull off. But I think it'd be a really fun. And for me, it's a bit of a dream cosplay because I don't think I have enough friends who are that into horror that I could actually put this group together. So <laughs> there's another con sure. conundrum for me. So. <laughs> um. The, yeah, no, that's, that, that'd be a really fun one to do. Um, who would you want to be in the group? So Freddie has always been my favorite out of, out of the slasher characters. Um, but yeah, may, maybe Freddie or Ghostface would probably be, uh, the ones I'd be leaning towards. So, okay. That's cool. Yeah. So in the midst of this, I do want to know who you'd like to be. So, yeah, that's that's a good actually a good reminder. So, yeah, thanks. <laughs> All right. Um, so mine is my first honorable, my only honorable mention. This is kind of a weird one. It's a very low key one. But if done right and you get a group of people willing to put the time into doing the head pieces, I think it would be really funny to go as the South Park kids. Nice. I yeah. just, I really do like that. Ultimately, they'd be easy costumes, but if you had someone help you with like, I don't know if it's paper mache or whatnot, and you did the heads, you know, so you stood out because otherwise, like, you just look like people in your normal clock, normal clothes. But if you did the heads, probably, <laughs> um, it could be really, really funny. And I just thought that'd be a really fun one because when I was putting this list together, I was totally thinking about the picture aspect. 
people will stop you to take pictures. You can't move yeah. five feet without getting your picture taken. So, um, yeah, that's. I just thought the South Park kids would be really funny to do. Um, no, that that's a good choice. It's it's a classic choice, and it's one that not everybody thinks of right away. Um, I feel like when we were at C2E2 this year that we actually saw a group doing the South Park characters. Um, I think it was yeah, when we were sitting we did, down for remember. lunch one day. If we did, I don't remember, so you should have pointed it out. <laughs> See, I think I did, but it, so in my mind's eye, I, I'm remembering this moment where we were sitting down and eating lunch in kind of the, like, picnic table food court area, and there was a group of South Park people that, like, they would have walked right behind you, so I think you were facing the other way. Oh. And I remember there was another guy at the table, and I think I commented to him that they were there, and I guess I would have thought you heard, but maybe you didn't, oh. so... <laughs> Sorry about that. But they were totally just people wearing, they were just, a, you know, a group of guys wearing completely normal clothes. They didn't have the crazy paper mache heads or something like that. But uh, sure. Yeah, good call. That's that's a pretty funny group to put together there. So, yeah. All right. What's your second honorable mention? So my next one, um, this one is fun because there are it's a bunch of crazy costumes. And uh, when it comes to screen accurate, most of these characters aren't or haven't been on screen, but at the same time, I would want to do costumes that where you could do justice to them to make them look movie ready. And that would be basically a lineup of classic image comics characters. So we're talking about nineties image comics, like shortly after the launch of the company, kind of that classic image lineup where you have, you know, you have spawn, you have pit, you have the max, you have, uh, you know, you have the other teen or the team groups. You have Youngblood and Wildcats um, and Cyberforce. But for me, it's stuff like Spawn and Pit and uh, the Max. Like, those are probably my top three where it's just like all three of those characters. I would love to see like a just really well done um, costume put together for them. And besides, I mean, Spawn's the only one we've seen on screen, but like it would be awesome to have that screen like movie ready, just like screen accurate spawn costume. And uh, I mean, we're doing unlimited budget, so I don't know if spawn is going to have a Cape that can move on his own. (laughs) I don't know if he can pull that off, but you definitely could get the chains and you could have like the full latex bodysuit and uh, you know, have the eyes light up and stuff. There's so many cool things you, you could do. And since I'm mostly gushing about spawn, he's the character I would want to be out of this list. Like Spawn is so badass. We've talked on the podcast so much about our love for Spawn, but definitely one of my favorite comics, comic characters and uh, kind of the image years of the early nineties. That's one of my favorite eras of just like comic history in general. So I had to show some love for it on this group. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Just to roll back real quick. um, I would want to be Stan in the South Park group. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, I just I realized I didn't say that. So nice. <laughs> um, all right. So my first actual pick of the night, and it's weird because this is a hard one for me to actually pick um, which one I would want to be. But I would literally want to get a lot of people. This requires a lot. Um, and then I'd have to find one person to be to take the Lucy Lou role, but do the crazy 88s from Kill Bill. Yeah, that'd be sick. Uh, It'd be awesome to do it. Um, definitely, I'd want to be one of Crazy 88s, probably the bald one, because I shaved my head. Um, <laughs> but um, the uh, but I think that'd be a really fun one to do. 
um, just to like walk into Comic Con as the Crazy Eighty Eights, and then you have like the one character is in the Lucy, and you have the one friend in like the Lucy Lou, uh, the Japanese garb and all that stuff. Um, it'd just be awesome. Um, and then you'd have to have one person dressed as Go Go, and then so on. It'd be I think that'd be a really fun uh, group cosplay to do. So, so this is I've been to like a lot of comic conventions, and I've been to Anime Central a number of times and stuff, and like the Crazy Eighty Eight. I mean, if you get a bunch of guys with wearing suits and masks and carrying katanas, I feel like it's such an easy costume, but you just need a big group. Yeah. And it's just like, why have I never seen this done before? Right. But if you're at a con and you see a group of like, I feel like you got to have at least 20 people in the group dressed up. Yeah. But if you just see a bunch of dudes wearing like you know like the black suits with white shirts and black ties carrying katanas and all wearing the masks that would be so that'd just be so epic like i can't believe i've never seen it so i think you're just coming up with like a great a great group group cosplay idea but um oh it the the thing that sucks about this one is you just can't do it by yourself you know, it's not if yep. you're going to be the one crazy guy, it just doesn't work. You need right. a big group. But, I really yeah. like that movie, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to, the thing that's fun with this one is if you have an unlimited budget, that means you could do like unlimited budget latex gore effects. So you could have like the one guy who is cut straight oh, down the wait, middle. Wait, you, you could have guys missing arms and stuff. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So that's another angle you can think about it there, too. Yeah. So Awesome. All right, what's your first actual pick of the night? Yeah, so um, I don't know if it's just because I've been getting a lot into uh, My Hero Academia again as I've been kept catching up with that series, but I actually went with a team from that show, and uh, I went with the League of Villains, who's kind of the main um, villain league from that show, but I think it just comes from really liking a lot of the character designs and really liking some of their powers. Um, like the main villain from this team, um, uh, his name's uh, Shigaraki and he kind of has this cool suit where he kind of has like this blue jumpsuit. And then he has a bunch of, I don't know if they're plaster or what, but he's got a bunch of like hand molds that are all over his body. And he's got one hand that's like covering his face. Like they're these weird, like gray hand molds that, um, And and the one hand is kind of like a mask, and he looks really cool, but his power is anything that he touches, he can make it decay and decompose. So it's such a it's such a cool villain power, and he ha- he has such a striking look. But then there's like some other cool characters. There's a uh, there's one girl, uh, her name's Toga. She kind of has like more of a traditional like Japanese schoolgirl type look to her, but she's kind of the uh, Harley Harley Quinn type of character. Um, you also have a character named Twice who is very he's personality wise he's so close to Deadpool and he's got like a black and gray suit, but his power is he can make like replicas of things, so he can take an object and make like an exact replica of it and. Uh, Oh, the other one I wanted to mention, probably because this is a character that I kind of might want to do a cosplay of at some point. But uh, there's this character, Spinner, who I love almost just from a uh, (laughs) character design standpoint. But he's basically a uh, he's like a human lizard sort of character. Like his power, I think, is called Gecko, but he literally can do anything that a Gecko does. And uh, he just has a cool look when it comes to like. 
uh, Ninja Turtles and other cool like anthropomorphic superheroes. He has such a cool look because he's like this giant lizard dude, but he also has a giant sword. Like he's one of those giant sword characters, but his sword is pretty cool and pretty funny too. Cause it's a giant sword made up of a bunch of smaller knives and daggers and saws and stuff all like lashed and belted together. If that makes sense. <laughs> so it's like a pretty unique looking giant sword that he has. And uh, that this is one that I kind of think I want to do just in my own spare time, just because I love his look. I would have fun making the costume and especially making that giant sword. But uh, yeah, the, the league of villains from my hero academia, that was my next pick. And uh I found that I kept going to villains a lot when I was thinking of like doing a group cosplay. Like if you do a good villain group, I think that's always just really fun. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if I have too much more to say on that one, but yeah, I gotcha. Um, and I, I've only, I've only seen some of the artwork and stuff. I still have yet to yeah. watch the show. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go, I'm going to continue with the anime front. Cause I only have one. An- I don't oh, nice. Technically, I have two anime picks, but I really feel like one really counts over the other one. Um, and I know that if I were to go to ASEN or, you know, one of the other anime cons and stuff like that, I'd probably see a bunch of these. Um, and I've seen people do cosplay like this before. I just think it would be fun. Um, and that's uh, the characters from Sword Art Online. Oh, um, nice. I really like that show. Um, but when you look at the characters... Um, you have like Kirito, his his character is designed with it's because it's part is video game esque. So his character artwork is kind of designed based on like the class and the style and the way he built his character. And the same goes for Asuna and Klein and Aegil and all that stuff. Um, you know, you know, you throw in Silica and um Lizbeth and whatever, but like this would be one that you can get a lot of people because there's a lot of characters for it. And then everybody has their unique Every costume is really unique and, um, like, stands out on its own. But at the same time, when you put it all together, it's this conglomeration of, like, oh, hey, that's the Sword Art guys, you know. Yeah. Um, I just think it would be a really cool one to do. Obviously, I'd want to be Kitty Toe, let's be real. Um, he's my favorite on the show anyway. But um, And I really just want to have the two swords for all the pictures. Um, <laughs> nice. But, um, but yeah, no, I just thought this would be a fun one to do. And I know people out there have done it. I actually saw, um, on Sunday when you didn't go with me to, uh, uh, C2E2, I actually saw two guys dressed as Kitty Toe and the costumes were well put together. Um, so. Um, That's awesome. But. I, I feel like it was like four or five years ago. I kept seeing like any kind I'd go <laughs> to, I'd see like a ton of sword art characters. And I feel like I haven't seen I haven't seen it as much, but I think that's just, you know, it's it's just one of those trends, you know, like we went to C2E2 this past year and didn't see a ton of Deadpools or Harley Quinns. And that was like the old stereotype sure. for the characters you see all the time. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, nice choice. Um, I guess I can go into my next pick. Yeah. Um, I actually went with the... I doubt uh, we're going to match, by the way. <laughs> Probably not. Uh you know, I have two picks that it's possible we could match. But uh, yeah, for my next pick, I actually went with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And uh, what's funny about this one is one of the few costume film. Or are we going like cartoon style? Yeah, I was going <laughs> to get to that. But uh, okay. no, 
Um, one of the few like cosplays <laughs> I've actually done is uh, being Raphael from the Ninja Turtles, and I put a ton of work into yeah. making like a sweet paper mache like helmet that I would wear, and uh, the uh, shell. I actually made the shell kind of like a giant stuffed animal um vest sort of thing and it actually is super comfy um and then i like painted the fabric and it turned out really good but the thing is i was Raphael because he's the one who would get pissed off he's the one who would get in a fight with leo and say screw you guys and he was the one who would be he would leave the group he's the loner and uh, the reason i chose raf is like he is probably my favorite character from that group but also He's the loner, and uh, I I would love to have a full group of Ninja Turtles. Um, and you're talking under unlimited time, unlimited 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 money. You could really pull something really great off. But I personally didn't want to do a full group when I dressed as Raph because I didn't really want to make four <laughs> four turtle suits. You know, the, the, yeah. doing one was a lot of work in itself. But, um, well, but I think that would incredible. So, oh, th yeah, th thanks. Um, but, but yeah, um, uh, no, no, but I think if I could do it, if we're talking unlimited money, unlimited budget, I'm doing like classic film. Like, we're going to get the classic look of the turtles. You're probably going to have the full latex suit and stuff like that. Um, the only thing I might not do is I don't know if I would actually do like the animatronic face masks because, uh, knowing behind the scenes stuff with that movie, supposedly those were super loud. Like, uh, the people actually wearing the suits said it sounded like they were in the middle of a train station with just the level of like gears and motors that were spinning in their ears when they were wearing those suits. But, yeah. um, uh, oh, the other thing I was going to say, though, is if you have unlimited budget, unlimited time, and we're doing Ninja Turtles, I'm going to want to, like, get trained in some martial arts. You know, I want to have some of that budget going to yeah. somebody training me how to actually be a ninja. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, that's that's my next pick. If I had to pick one of them, I would probably go with Raph again. But um I mean, technically, in a lot of iterations of the Ninja Turtles, Raph will be the biggest turtle. And uh, if I have to play, like, Donnie or Mikey, who are typically, like, on the smaller side, like, I'd be okay with that. But Raph would be my favorite sure. um, character to play, so. Sure. Um, all right, so my next one. So I am a big Halo fan um, in terms of the video game Halo. And... So I've been to several conventions and I see you see Spartans all over the place. But there's a group from the game called the ODSTs or the Orbital Drop Shock Troopers um, who I have thought were just like ever since they did the game ODST and like put them in the background and stuff. They're background characters for the most part, but they did get their own game in the franchise. Um, I always thought they were really uh, pretty badass. Um, and I really wish they would have done more with that. And if I have an unlimited budget to make screen accurate, you know, costumes and stuff, let's do like the let's do the costumes for all the ODSTs from the main group from the game itself. I think it'd be a really nice. cool cosplay to do just like because, you know, when bizarrely, Star Wars is not on my list at all for group cosplay. Um, and I think there, and I, when I didn't put it on there, it was really like, I struggled a little bit, but I was like, you know what? The 501st does it so well. 
Um, I don't need to even bother trying. They just do it. They bring it. That's awesome. You know, um, and as much as I want Stormtrooper armor, it's really cool what they do. So let them yeah. do Star Wars group cosplays and stuff like that, because I'm never going to be as good as them, you know. And that's, you know, even if I had the unlimited budget, like they just do it so well. They bring it correctly. So props to the 501st, as always. But um, I think it'd be really cool to do this one because. You'll like the Halo fans are going to go, oh, that's cool. ODST is awesome. And they'll want, you know, they'll want the pictures. But everyone else will be like, those are really cool suits of armor and so on and whatnot. And it's very clear what they are. Um, I just always thought they were really cool. So. Yeah, the ODSTs. I just, I, I think they're a fran- part of the Halo franchise that didn't get enough love, in my opinion. But um, that might change as we move on with the franchise. But um, I just think it'd be really cool to have that armor and have a group of friends like put that together. Um, because of the design of the costume, I'd want to probably be the rookie, which is the main character from that from the ODST game. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'd still want Buck and you know all the other characters. So. Yeah, this is a good call with this one, and I like how you're focusing on it's kind of a underrated gem because you don't see, you know, if you go to a convention, you see a ton of Master Chiefs, but you don't see ODST guys running around that often. But I think it's one of those things if you put together like a really legit group of people playing those characters, everybody would lose their minds, you know, and they see you. So, uh, yeah, good call. Yeah. All right, man, what do you got for me? Yeah, so um, the next uh, item on my list, or the next group on my list, um, I actually went with a classic, I think it'd be cool to do a classic Universal Monster lineup. So, you know, you have your Dracula, like Bella Lugosi uh, Dracula, you have your uh, classic Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, you have the Mummy, you have the Wolfman. Um, I think it'd just be really cool to put like those costumes together and get really good makeup and make sure you have like movie level where you look like you can just walk on the screen. Because I think those movies are so old, but you don't realize that like at the time they had the best makeup artists in the world working on these movies and like the Frankenstein makeup was actually like pretty seamless and stuff like that. Um, if I had to choose one, I'm, I'm always going to go with, uh, with creature from the black lagoon. Like that's, that's my favorite one. I would love to have just a super legit creature from the black lagoon costume. If I had to do a second choice, it would probably be Frankenstein. Like, I feel like the Wolfman is maybe a cooler character, but I just love the visuals of Frankenstein. So maybe that was would be my second choice. But uh, yeah, Universal Monsters, it would be really awesome. And uh, the one thing that I think would be fun to think about is, do you do the characters in color or do you do them in black and white? And I think that could be a really fun thing at a convention when you see... Oh, the the universal you, monster running around. That'd be awesome. Yeah. The yeah. only thing the only thing I struggle with at the same time is like if you have a creature from the Black Lagoon costume, you want it to be bright green. <laughs> so that's the only that's yeah. like the biggest sacrifice. But if you're doing it as a group, I think doing them black and white would be like so badass. So Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um <laughs> So here's my second, I guess you could say anime pick of the night, but it's not really at the same time because it comes from a video game. Um, And that's the Final Fantasy VII characters. Yeah, Uh, awesome. I, first off, 
it's probably been done at like an anime con for sure, but I think it'd be really cool. But I'm not talking like like I want Cloud, Tifa, Aerith, Barrett, Yuffie, um, like you know, like all of them. I think it'd be so cool yeah. to get them all in there. Vincent, like the Vincent costume would be fantastic if done right. Um, and obviously, I'd want to be Cloud because he's the coolest, and I just want to walk around with a Buster Sword all weekend <laughs> and get the pictures taken. But yeah. I think that'd be a really fun one to do really unique, intricate costumes. And the Final Fantasy universe has always had, like, really cool costumes to begin with. But, like, you get a guy <laughs> dressed as Barrett, and he's got the big arm cannon and whatnot that he's got. And I just think it'd be really fun. Um, but I almost feel like I wouldn't want to do a costume, a group costume like that unless I reached out to friends and, like, casted them. <laughs> like, yeah. all right, I'm casting you as Barrett, so that's the costume we're putting together for you. I'm casting you as Tifa. I'm casting you as you know, Yuffie and so on. Oh, you definitely are playing Vincent. Here you go. You know, I think it'd be really kind of funny to do that, but like get the best looking group you can to do it. I think it'd be awesome. So. Yeah, I think, um, I think one of the challenges with a group cosplay is getting enough people who are that gung ho to be these characters. Um, but I think it is cool when you can get a group together that has that sort of like enthusiasm where they're all, ready to play just one of the characters and they're looking at their um their build they're looking at facial features they're looking at their own strengths when it comes to making the costumes and you're splitting up like who's going to be what character um like i mentioned before that i had a friend group that almost did a scott pilgrim cosplay but it never actually happened but we were talking about it on that level where um at the time like everybody wanted me to be scott because at the time i actually looked a lot like scott pilgrim (laughs) like just kind of my daily attire and stuff and then there was um you know, we kind of were really looking at it as like, what's your body type? Who's going to be the best version of each character? And everybody kind of was like, had a humility to the way they were approaching it. And I feel like Final Fantasy, like these are really um, cartoony. I don't want to say they're too cartoony because I know you have like Advent Children and the reboot yeah. where they have really realistic graphics, but they do have cartoony features when it comes to the uh, yeah. faces and some of the the hair and like some of the exaggeration. And so I feel like you're right. Like it would be best if you could cast certain people as these characters, but this is, this would be a really cool one. And uh, it's cool how iconic these characters are. Like you can't go to a comic con and you still, every time you go to a comic convention, somebody's dressed as cloud. You can't escape it. But um, this is this is a cool one. And when it comes to unlimited budget, it's cool that you do have like Final Fantasy Advent Children and you have um, the the newer version of this game, um, as well as uh, I don't remember what it's called, but the one that focused specifically on uh, Vincent Valentine, like that one had even better graphics than the original Final Fantasy seven. But my point is, you have these newer iterations of the same game that you can use to create, um, you know, your unlimited budget movie screen ready costumes, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously I'd want to be cloud. <laughs> well, the other thing I'm thinking of is, uh, sorry, I feel like we're going on a lot about right. final fantasy seven, but in advent children, I loved how, how cloud sword worked and how like, yeah, he has the buster sword, but it, 
was so customizable and depending on what he was going up against he'd either either like exchange it to a different blade or some part of the sword would get altered and it was actually a really cool way to show how when you play an rpg you upgrade your weapons or you get a new weapon or you use certain um certain weapons in certain situations and it was such a cool visual to see cloud's buster sword in that movie be so customizable so if you have unlimited budget (laughs) maybe you could have that sword you know what i mean (laughs) yeah i'm with you there the um i loved how that sword functioned in the movie um i don't know like i really feel that they kind of I don't know if I ever paid attention that the sword functioned like that in the game or if it was just like, let's do that for the movie and make it like is how he uses like all the different variants and everything. Yeah, I think it was you take the game and all the different variants of like swords he uses and they're like, how do we make a realistic version of this for this movie? And uh, for any listeners who haven't watched uh, Final Fantasy VII Advent Children, you have to watch it because it's so hard to do justice to what we're talking about, but it is such a cool thing they do with Cloud's sword in that movie. Yeah, especially, like, and you notice, and you see it a handful of times throughout the movie, but, like, it's primarily at the beginning. The opening fight scene on the bikes is where you really see um, the opening fight scene on the bikes and then his fight <coughs> with, uh, his fight in the forest where Vincent joins in. Um, that's where you really get to see the sword, like, in real full action. Um, yeah. more so in any other part of the movie, but, um, all right, man, what is your next pick for the night? Yeah. So my next pick, I feel like this one probably comes at nobody's surprise, but I went with the justice league, uh, the justice league of America, the DC comics, um, powerhouse, superpower, superhero team that we all know and love. Um, Which I mean, <laughs> That's a good that's a good question. Um, Not I think in terms it de- of what your players are, in terms of like, are you talking Snyder Cut look? Are we talking Justice League Unlimited Animated Series? Are we talking, um, you see where I'm going with this? Are we talking comic book look style? Yes. So. Grant Morrison run. You know, that's a good question, too. I think so. I think typically I do really like um when you have the comic accurate costumes. Like I think when you go to a comic convention and you see those comic accurate characters where people have like their morph suits and they have a hodgepodge of other stuff that they sew to their morph suits. And they, I, I do love that classic spandex look. It always brings a smile to my face, but if we're doing unlimited budget, I think I'm doing the Snyder cut version of the justice league. I think we're doing all those characters. I think you have the bat flex suit and you have a recreation of it and all the glory you have from those, from that movie. Uh, you have the, uh, you know, you have Superman and I don't know, do you go the man of steel original Superman costume or do you do a later version? Um, but I think, I think I love the man of steel like suit or even, you know, the BVS or Snyder cut suit. Like I love that version of Superman. So I think there's just so many cool things, design choices in the costumes of the characters in that movie. And I think it would be really fun. Like you could, you'd have to find the friend with long hair, but they get to be Aquaman and they have to, they get to wear one of the badass like uh, um, Jason Momoa Aquaman suits. And I think 
all the suits in the Snyderverse do look like super detailed and I just I just love their aesthetic. So that's what I would probably go with. Um, if I could go with any character, of course, I'm going to pick Superman. Um, I'd have to shave. I would have to hire a physical trainer to get me in shape to fit into the Superman suit. But I think that would be like my dream, like who I would want to portray in that cosplay. I'd go with Superman. Um, if we're going with like <laughs> who, which role I look the best for, I would probably have to expand the lineup and uh, try to do just a really good like ambush screen. Bug. Huh? Ambush bug. That'd be you. No, <laughs> I was going to say I'd have to do like a screen uh, ready version of like a green arrow casting or something like maybe sure. do one of the Stephen Amell ones, just because I have like the facial hair for it and stuff like sure. that. I think that'd be pretty cool. But... I was trying to make a like a super deep cut DC joke there and you were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like a little amb- bit ambush bug. <laughs> um, yeah, um, good call. Well. I'm with you on that, specifically the Snyder Cut version, um, because those suits are just phenomenal looking. Yeah. Uh, and this is one I did not match with you on. Um, I realized how many times you see the Justice League, and when I thought about writing down the Justice League on my list, I thought of that episode of The Big Bang Theory where they go to that New Year's Eve party and everyone showed up as the Justice League. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I thought it was really fun. Oh, I forgot about that. But in the comic book world of what could you do and what would be a cool comic, what would be a cool group cosplay, being the Batman fan that I am, I thought it'd be really cool to do a group cosplay of the Bat family. Nice. But all of them. Now, obviously, being the Batman fan that I am, I'm going to want to be Batman. And yeah, I'd want to hire a personal trainer, get me in the shape so I fill out the suit properly and all that stuff. But I don't get paid to work out like actors do. So, um, but... I would want it to be Batman, Nightwing, Damian Wayne Robin, Red Robin, Red Hood, Batgirl, Batwoman, Orphan, you know, Alfred, like do the full Bat family. I think it'd be awesome. Um, yeah, that'd because be great. Of the, because of the Batman-Catwoman marriage thing that took place, you could probably throw in Catwoman if you really wanted to. But we're dealing with the Bat family. I think it'd be fantastic to do that kind of a costume group because when – you know, you walk through Comic-Cons and you always see the Bat villains are always together. It's not yeah. very often you see the whole family, you know. You don't see, you know, you see Robins, but they're usually tied to, like, the Teen Titans, for example. Like, do the whole thing. Like, here you go. Yeah. No, it is, it is a good point. Like, you don't always see the uh, Bat family walking around together. So I think this is a good call. I knew we didn't match on the Justice League, but... I knew there was going to be some sort of DC comic conve- uh, collector, DC yep. comic connection. <laughs> Trying not to say comic convention there was a little hard, but yeah, th- I knew there was going to be some sort of DC comics connection between both of our lists. But uh, the Bat family, awesome choice. I think uh, I love that aesthetically, all the Batman or Batman family costumes just fit together really well when it comes to a lot of them share colors. I think they would look really great as a uh as a cosplay um i guess my biggest question for you though is are you going comic accurate are you doing like movie versions of these costumes like where do you sit with that well i feel like if you can do it right i think comic accurate would be the coolest and (laughs) i really do because there's no like 
look, the Ben Affleck Batman suit's amazing looking. It really is. But I've seen some really cool comic versions of the bat suit from like specific variants, like the the bat, the like the hush variant and stuff like that. I think it'd be really cool to get, you know, that's probably where I would go. It's probably comic accurate and focus on trying to be as close to accurate as I could based on like the Jim Lee art style or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like hire Jim Lee Lee to design all of it (laughs) or like Jim, can you just draw all of it? We'll render it all in color and everything so I can take it to the costume shop and say, I need it to look exactly like this. Here's my uh, here's my friends, you know, <laughs> Nice. go uh, take it to the uh, costume designer from the She-Hulk show. I can't remember what that character's name was, but uh, no, yeah, no. Yeah, awesome yeah. stuff. I do. I do like the idea because, too, like if you had an unlimited budget, you'd be able to um, basically make realistic versions of the comic uh comic costumes so that's pretty awesome um just since we're showing batman a lot of of love right here one group cosplay that almost made my list that didn't was i thought it would be cool to have just a really really solid version of the batman rogues gallery to walk around a convention i feel like uh batman has one of if not the best rogues gallery and comics so i think that'd just be amazing you know and if you can do like movie accuracy when it comes to characters like the joker and um two-face and uh some of the other characters that have appeared on screen so yeah yeah awesome um all right man uh was that your last last pick by the way that was my last pick so what you got (laughs) so yeah uh you went on a whole diatribe about how, like, the 501st does Star Wars costumes right, and you didn't really want to touch that. And I feel like you're right You're right on. Like, the 501st does amazing things. I think um, even, you know, the Mando Mercs, they do amazing things. I don't think I'm ever going to make a costume as good as either of those groups. But I just kept coming back to a Star Wars choice, and it's a choice that makes, makes me laugh. It makes me smile. But it also would be really freaking cool. And uh, that's why I chose to uh, I think it'd be really cool to do a group cosplay of the uh, Cantina characters from the Moss Eisley Cantina. Nice. Um, yeah, I think this would be so great to have like a full group together. And you have, you know, you have your <laughs> all the crazy characters. You have the uh, I'm going to use the. Uh, <laughs> The uninformed terminology but you have your hammerhead character and you have your wolfman and you have your devil guy and you have greedo and you have all these just like classic characters that everybody has known and loved for so many years and it would be so cool to be a big group of cantina characters and walk around a comic convention but then when the convention's over you go and you hit up the nearest bar, whether that be in an adjacent hotel or a nearby restaurant or wherever it is that a bunch of the con attendees are going to go to, how cool would it be to go to a convention and go to like the hotel bar afterwards and all the cantina characters are there? It'd be so, so awesome. Um, If I had to choose one, and I don't know why I would choose it. You'd be Cable. I think I was going to say I'd be uh, Panda Baba. I, I oh, don't okay. know why, but uh, Cave, is, Cave is the little one that like kind of can barely reach the counter and he reaches for like, I don't know what drink it is, but he kind of. Oh, right, yeah. right. OK. Yeah. Yeah, that, that'd um, be pretty great. But yeah, Panda Boba, like, I don't know why, but uh, I 
I just think he'd be really fun to be. And I love, uh, I think it's really that his character makes me laugh. He's in such a short part of a new hope, but everybody remembers his character so much. And I love the, uh, the robot chicken uh, spin on it where he was actually being like a really nice, <laughs> pleasant person. But then you have doc- Dr. Evans, Evazin, who was uh, basically just being an asshole and made it look like uh Panda Bobo was like a big villain in the situation. And then his arm gets end up, ends up getting cut off. And I love that aspect of it. But uh, no, I don't know. I think, I think those two characters like Dr. Evazin would be really fun too, but I don't know. I feel like I'd do a better job playing Panda Boba in the mask with uh, not being able to understand him instead of being the uh, loudmouth smart ass of uh, Dr. Evazin, if that makes sense. If you are playing Panda Boba, are you arm? Are you have one arm or two? That is a good, that is a good question. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Um, Maybe have one arm because there's an element of when you still have the arm, there's an element of tension where everybody's waiting for the arm to be cut off. <laughs> it's kind of like the guy in um, <laughs> the guy in Hot Tub Time Machine who who's missing an arm in the future, but in the past he has both arms. So everybody's just waiting for it to happen. So I think because of that humorous tension, you've got to go with both arms. <laughs> right. All right. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that brings us to the end of this list. Um, it is my pick for next week, and I thought it'd be really interesting to do female villains. Oh, cool. Um, that's something we have not discussed yet. So female villains. So the villainess, if you will. Um, there's a lot of really great ones out there. You can pull from anything. I'm not focused on comics specifically or anything like you can pull from anywhere. Really cool uh, topic. I thought this would be so. Yeah, it's, there's a weird, um, there's some weird dynamic, and I don't know really why, but sometimes the female villains can have like the potential to be almost more sinister than like male villains, and I don't really yeah. know why that is. But uh, yeah, I think that's a really good topic, and uh, this will be a fun one to, uh, to figure out. And, you know, it's funny when you say, like, more sinister sometimes. Like, you have some great ones, like Cersei Lannister, for example. But you yeah. also have, like, some really great ones when it comes to Disney. You yeah. know? Um, and then you got some really great ones when it comes to, like, Sharon Stone from Basic Instinct. Yeah. So. <laughs> I was going to say, like, you could, yeah, you have, like, one end of the spectrum where you have, like, Hella from like uh, from the MCU, but then you also have like Regina George, George from Mean Girls. You know, there's a lot of different right. ways you can go with this one. <laughs> yeah. So it's this is gonna be an all over the place, but let's see what we do. It could, it's a very wide, broad topic. So yeah, we'll see what we come up with for next week. Um, nice. that is the end of this episode. You ready to toss this one in the can? Yeah. Awesome. Well, everyone, do us all a favor. Check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with a link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. Hit us up there. Hit us up social media. Either way works. We are on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon, and Audible. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review, which we love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. 
You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I'll be trying to resist the urge to say that the smoke looks like Silent Hill. Interesting. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, for the top five report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good week.